Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk with Mandy and Zila, where each week we discuss new health and lifestyle questions based on questions you send us. I am Zila Ozels from the Brantford Public Library Programming Department. And I'm Mandy Samuel, a community health broker with the Brant County Health Unit. Mandy, what does a community health broker do? Well, Zila, a community health broker works with all the citizens in the community to provide support, education, and broker connections to health-related services. Basically, anything they need to support their overall health. Does that mean you're like a nutritionist, nurse, or doctor? No, it doesn't. While there are many times we work alongside other healthcare professionals, our job is to help improve access to and the effectiveness of the healthcare systems. We connect people with education and skill building, employment services, addiction and treatment supports, as well as housing services, just to name a few. Our work changes all the time, which I totally love, but what doesn't change is that we're always right there in the community, meeting them where they're at. So just to be clear for our listeners, the content in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions or any medical issues that you may be having. Welcome to episode three of Let's Talk with Mandy and Zila. Mandy, how have you been since we last talked? Oh, Zila, I've been good. It's been um, pretty crazy busy around here. Um, Yeah, I've had a pretty busy week. I was able to start my craft group back up, so I was pretty excited about that. Yesterday was the first day that we've um, had craft group running since COVID, so um, everybody was pretty excited to see me. It was pretty chill, but we just painted some canvases and you know, made sure we were social distancing, but it was really, it was really, really good. And then today I'm pretty excited because we have a walking group that's expanding into the, everybody in the neighborhood's welcome to attend. So I'm pretty excited about that for Eagle Place. Cool. It must be nice finally kind of seeing and interacting with people, even if you're doing it at a distance. Yeah, that's been really good. I think that that's something that people have been really missing. And even for myself, like it's been different, not connecting with people in the same way. So Another thing too I've been working on is trying to read very quickly a book club book for tonight because I I wanted to make sure I got it done. So I'm actually, I've got half a chapter left of Fury of Hours for tonight. So I'm going to be done and I'm pretty excited to talk about that book tonight. I actually finished the book last night, (laughs) furiously. So we're talking about the Eagle Place book club that Mandy and I started with her neighborhood association. But yes, it's, it was, anyways, we're going to talk all about it tonight, but I, I finished the book last night. So your tip about doing the audiobook though, and like speeding it up a little bit, that has been so good. <laughs> that's so how you've I've been, been doing that? Yeah, yeah, that's what I've been doing. So like when I get ready in the morning or like any of those things, I'm like listening to the audiobook. So that's been really helpful. Great. I yeah. kind of feel like a bad librarian, though, for suggesting that. <laughs> I have both here, but that, that's been helpful because I just, I was really on a time crunch and I needed to make sure that I got it all read. So yeah. I had fallen behind again a little bit. So <laughs> I wanted to make sure. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to chatting about it tonight. But for this episode, we have other interesting things to talk about. What are we talking about today, Mandy? So today we're going to talk about mosquitoes, ticks, and sugar. Great. So we'll first talk about mosquitoes. Mandy, I think you were telling me last time that there was a case of West Nile virus discovered in our area. Is that right? 
Yeah, actually, it was just earlier this week, or last week, I guess now, a mosquito pool had tested positive for West Nile virus uh, in West Brant. The mosquitoes were collected from a residential neighborhood in West Brant as part of our BCHU annual surveillance program and marks the first lab confirmed evidence of West Nile virus in Brantford and Brant County this year. Okay, so just to clarify, are you saying there was a mosquito that they caught that was tested positive for West Nile virus, not a person? Right. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. What does BCHU do to monitor and control West Nile virus in this area? By monitoring weekly for mosquitoes in storm sewer catch basins and stormwater management ponds, monitor weekly for mosquitoes within neighborhoods, and treat catch basins and stormwater management ponds with pesticide to reduce the number of mosquitoes. And I mean, is it common that we find West Nile virus here? No, actually, it's not. It's not as common as you would think. Actually, last year, so in 2019, there were no confirmed results. Didn't have any. That's good to hear. It is. It's very good to hear. So what exactly is West Nile virus? You know, what does it look like if we're sick? So West Nile virus is a disease mainly spread to people through an infected mosquito's bite. Mosquitoes can become infected by feeding on the blood of birds that carry the virus, but not all mosquitoes carry West Nile virus. The virus does not spread from person to person. While most people do not become sick after being bitten by an infected mosquito, West Nile virus can cause serious illness in others. Seniors and people with underlying illnesses are urged to be cautious as they are more likely to develop the illness. So some of the common symptoms are fever, headache, body ache, nausea, vomiting, rash on the chest, stomach, or back. And you mentioned that some people will get more serious symptoms. So what do the more serious symptoms look like? So it's approximately one in 150 people could possibly end up having more serious symptoms, which can include a high fever, severe headache, muscle weakness, stiff neck, confusion, tremors, numbness, sudden sensitivity to light. Okay. So, I mean, kind of similar to like the regular symptoms, but... Just worse, it sounds worse. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't sound fun. I don't really want to get West Nile virus anytime soon. Actually, my stepbrother had it when he was doing an exchange in, uh, where was it? Tanzania. But I don't want it. So how can I make sure that I don't get it? Um, So some of the precautions. um, So residents should take the following steps to protect themselves and their families from mosquitoes, especially when outdoors from early evening to morning when mosquitoes are most active and likely to bite, as well as any time in shady and wooded areas. So you want to cover up and wear light-colored clothing, long sleeves, shirts, and pants with tightly woven fabric. You want to use an approved insect repellent, such as one that's containing DEET, and reduce mosquito breeding sites around your home by getting rid of all water-filled containers and objects. Change the water in bird baths at least once per week. Right. You mentioned the water. So this, so there's actually a standing water bylaw within the city of Brantford that takes effect from May 1st to September 30th of each year. From what you sent me, Mandy, I came across this information and I thought it was interesting because I honestly didn't know this kind of bylaw existed. It makes sense that it exists. You're, you shouldn't have any standing water where 
mosquitoes can live because they breed in standing water. And so the more mosquitoes you have, the more likely maybe you could get bit. More likely one of them might have West Nile virus, I guess is the logic behind that, right? I think, yeah, just, you know, reducing the risk, right? So you want to make sure that we're not having mosquitoes breeding as easily so that we reduce the risk for everyone. So Right. So some examples that they mentioned, they mentioned the birdbath thing. And so they say you should refill or empty every 48 hours. Other examples of standing water are the pool covers. If you have water just sitting on your pool cover and if you have a pool, but that's not circulating, if you're collecting water. So if you have rain barrels, you have to have a screen cover over them. For other solutions to standing water, we will add a link to the show notes so that you can check it out. Yeah, I was going to say, so I I think that a lot of people don't really realize that there is a a standing water bylaw. But another thing that people don't know is that we actually have a dedicated line at the health unit for the standing water complaints. So that way, if there's some standing water that you have some concerns about, you can give us a call at 519-753-4937 extension 444 and that's a it's a dedicated line and speaking of reporting another thing that i read about was that you can report dead birds yeah that's another good thing to watch for is um dead birds that you you know you can't see that they've died from something else or so some of the birds uh, including crows jays may catch and die from West Nile virus. So it's important to report a bird who may have died from West Nile virus by phoning the Canadian Cooperative Wildlife Health Centre at 1-866-673-4781. Our next topic for today is about ticks and Lyme disease. I imagine there are similar precautions we can take when we're trying to prevent ticks from biting us. So the preventative measures for ticks are to cover your feet, arms, and legs, and wear close-toed shoes. Um, You want to wear light-colored, long-sleeved shirts and pants. You want to tuck your pant legs into your socks. Apply bug spray with DEET or iCardinin on your skin and clothing and put on bug spray after applying sunscreen. So that's a good tip. You want to make sure that you're doing it afterwards. After you get home from outdoors, you want to check yourself, your family members, and your pets for ticks right away. A lot of people wouldn't know this, but having a shower or a bath within two hours from being outdoors helps to make sure that the ticks don't stay on you if you have any. Okay. I didn't know that last part about recommending to shower after you're outside or whatever. Yeah, I thought that was that was a really cool one that probably a lot of people wouldn't even consider. No, and and I've actually found several ticks on myself. I've, I've luckily never had an issue with Lyme disease, which uh, whenever we do find a tick, I circle it with a marker and we just make sure that no rash or anything appears where I've circled it. So um, luckily I've never had an issue, but I've definitely looked up the information several times yeah, so there's some good sites out there, etick.ca in particular. You can actually take a photo of the tick that you found uh, and they will identify it for you and let you know if it's a black-legged deer tick, which is the ones that you want to look out for, right? There's another site uh, where you can actually see the black-legged deer tick. It kind of shows you different types of black-legged deer ticks and the different stages they're in. So we're going to be linking all of these in our show notes. And then finally, how to remove it properly, because there's a way that you want to remove it properly. So there's a video, but Mandy, can you explain to us how to do it properly? 
the biggest thing is, is if you find a tick on yourself or on a family member, you want to follow um, specific steps to remove it. And then when you're, when you have it removed, you want to bring it to the Brant County Health Unit for testing um, and making sure that you do not crush or damage the tick while attempting to remove it. So first you want to um, use fine tip tweezers and grasp the tick's head as close to your skin as possible. You want to pull the tick straight out gently without twisting or squeezing. And then you want to wash skin with soap and water and disinfect the skin and your hands with rubbing alcohol. And then put the tick in a secure container, like an example would be like a bottle with a screw on lid and then bring it to the Brant County Health Unit for testing. So you mentioned that anytime we're outside, we should look for ticks, but are there areas that are worse than others for ticks? I think the main thing is wanting to stay out of tall grass or wooded areas. Um, That's kind of the main places for sure. Like if you stick to paths, it's better versus walking through unwalked tall grass. Yeah, I think that's really a really important step in prevention too, is just staying out of those unmaintained areas the most you can, right? The problem with ticks is if you get bit, you might get Lyme disease. So what What exactly is Lyme disease? So Lyme disease is an infection resulting from a bite from an infected black-legged deer tick. And not all black-legged deer ticks carry the virus that cause Lyme disease. Lyme disease can be treated with antibiotics. Um, Black-legged ticks can be found in areas across Ontario. What, What does it look like if you have Lyme disease and what do you do? So some of the signs and symptoms are a circular red rash around the bite, fever and chills. And you want to make sure that you see the see your doctor after seeing a tick or being bit by a tick. Right. Okay. So we mentioned a few sites that we'll include in our show notes. And now we're going to move on to our last topic, which is sugar. <laughs> I can say that this is, uh, I have a major sweet tooth. So eating sugar is something I enjoy, but it's also something I struggle with for sure because I know it's not like a healthy habit that I should have. But Mandy, maybe for our listeners, can you tell us what the risks of eating too much sugar are? Some of the ways that sugar can affect your health, some of the risks are heart disease, stroke, obesity, diabetes, high blood cholesterol, cancer, and cavities. So that's like if you're consuming a lot of sugar all the time kind of thing, that's what it can lead to. Yeah. That's basically what, what it's saying. Like having too much sugar is not good for you and it puts you at risk for a lot of health issues Mm. that you just, you don't have to have. And I know there's different types of sugar. What are they? So sugar is found in many foods, both naturally and added and sugar provides energy but has no nutritional value on its own. So sugars are often often added to processed foods to improve their flavor and color and texture and shelf life. Sugar comes in many forms, white sugar, brown sugar, molasses, honey, maple syrup, corn sweeteners, and it may be listed on food labels as glucose, fructose, dextrose, maltose, and sucrose. Actually, a good hint with that is if you're looking for sugar in the ingredients list, anything ending in ose, is probably a sugar. Yeah, I've heard of that before, the OSE. O-S-E. So anytime I pick up a package of food, I read label, and if I see OSE, I'm less likely to buy it. So that's one way I've been trying not to eat as much sugar. Um, you listed a few sugars, like honey, brown sugar, white sugar. If I'm trying to be healthier with my sugars, 
can I maybe substitute white sugar and baking for something like honey? Like, does that make a difference? It's still a sugar. I think the the best bet would be maybe substituting um, unsweetened applesauce in your baking versus add like in place of sugar. Oh, okay. So basically there's no difference between something that's more natural, like honey and white sugar or something like that. There's a lot of information out there suggesting that certain um, sweeteners like honey and and that are better for you. But really, when it comes down to it, there's still sugar and you still want to be careful how much sugars you're adding to your diet. Um, So you mentioned the applesauce for maybe baking. I personally don't like the taste of artificial sweeteners. Like if I eat something with an artificial sweeteners, I don't know if it's a mental thing, but I feel like I can taste that it's an artificial sweetener. But for people who might enjoy the taste, is that a good substitute? So are artificial sweeteners a good substitute for, you know, in baking or maybe your drink or things like that? I think there's a lot of varying information and opinions on artificial sweeteners. But what I would say is that sugar substitutes are not needed for healthy eating. Eating foods sweetened with sugar substitutes can make healthy eating more difficult because foods and drinks with sugar substitutes may start to replace healthier foods or they also still taste very sweet. So regularly eating foods that taste sweet can lead to a preference for sweeter foods. Oh, that's interesting. So if I'm trying to cut out sugar and I replace it with artificial sweeteners, I might just be increasing like my cravings for sugary things. Yeah, it'll definitely change your your food preferences. Like um, you can get used to less sweet foods. But if you're constantly eating stuff that has um, artificial sweeteners in it, then you're gonna have a sweet tooth still for sure. Okay, so then if I'm trying to reduce my sugar intake, which honestly, I am. How can I do that without using artificial sweeteners? So some of the ways to reduce your sugar intake and and not um, using artificial sweeteners is to avoid sugary drinks and drink water instead when you're, I know we've talked a lot about water. So when you're thirsty, and then also having low fat unsweetened milk is also a good way to quench your thirst. And you can also keep things interesting by adding lemon or orange slices or strawberries or fresh mint. You want to avoid sports drinks because they're very high in sugar and have no nutritional value, which why which is why they're called empty calories. So are you drinking too much sugar? So a lot of people don't realize that many popular drinks have more than half your daily recommended sugar intake. So just drinking like a simple can of pop is probably more than half of the sugar that you're supposed to have. So it's important to be careful with that. So a can of pop is pretty small. And I've seen people drinking like a whole, you know, one of those bottles, which is even more. So that's like pretty much everything you're allowed to eat sugar wise for the day, right? Yeah, it's basically like having 10 teaspoons of sugar. I wouldn't want to do that. (laughs) No. It's not it's not a good it's not a good place to start. You really have to think about if you want to have that much sugar just from that, right? So it's important to uh, avoid fruit juice even when it's 100% fruit juice. Although fruit juice has some of the benefits of the fruit, which is like the vitamins and minerals, it has more sugar than the fruit and less fiber. So fruit juice should not be consumed as an as an alternative to fruits, it's actually a better option just to eat the fruit. That brings me to my next point about um, trying whole foods. So whole food items 
that remain close to their natu natural state as possible with little processing are a lot more healthy option. Eating lower sugar cereals, so you want to make sure that you're eating cereals with less than six grams of sugar and more than four grams of fiber. Even cereal, though, is a very processed food. It is, but I think the thing is, is that there are some there are some cereals that are not too bad for you. You just have to be very careful when you're reading the ingredient list. Ah, the ingredient list that we talked about in episode one, right? That's right. That's one of the things that you can't get away from. <laughs> read those ingredient lists all the yeah. time. Yeah, I, I read them. I do read them all the time, even before we talked about it. Um, I think it's important. And I think just to emphasize, you're really looking for those oses for the sugars. And then I know when I was reading about sugar, I came across a list of artificial sweetener names that if you're trying to avoid artificial sweeteners, look for these. So I, my list has xylitol, lactitol, isomalt, mannitol, erythritol. <laughs> Oh man, some of these names. Um, saccharin, aspartame, that's the one I'm most familiar with. Sorbitol, malitol, and stevia is also an artificial sweetener. There's definitely a lot of them. So it's definitely something to watch for. Um, a lot of foods that are reduced in calories or they say no sugar added lots of times it's because they have added an artificial sweetener so if you're you are looking to stay away from those you want to watch for that oh that's tricky it's very tricky you have to be very alert and read your labels we can't just rely on the claims that we see like on the front of the package we have to then turn the package and read the ingredient list and the nutrition table right that's exactly right yeah if sugars are listed as the first or second ingredient on the food label they're likely going to have a lot of sugar. Because the ingredient list is listed by weight. Right. So anything appearing in the beginning of it means it's mostly, it's the biggest ingredients in the list, right? So Yeah. Okay. And then the other thing too is just another way to reduce your sugar intake is to cook at home more often so that you have more control of how much added sugar. Right. Because in a restaurant, you're not going to necessarily see or know how much they're putting into your food. Well, it's even the same for prepackaged stuff that you're just buying at the grocery store and heating up or cooking in like with the directions on the package, right? You, you have to watch for a lot of added sugars. That's the same for salt, but sugars and salts are added all the time to those kind of prepackaged options, like even your canned tomatoes or your spaghetti sauces or those kinds of things. That's another place I look at the ingredient list often is if I'm buying canned things, I'll see if it's been packaged in sugars or just water or oil. Yeah, that's a good tip actually for when you're picking out like canned fruit too, right? So making sure that it's packed in fruit juice or, or water preferably versus the syrups that a lot of time it's packed in. So that's a good tip. So that wraps up episode three of Let's Talk. Mandy... If there's one thing you want people to remember from this episode, what would that be? I think if I think if there is one thing that I wanted people to remember from this episode is to be mindful of your sugar intake and watch out for the oses in the ingredient list. Yes, the they're oses. pretty sneaky. <laughs> the sneaky oses. And I would say if you want to do one thing differently after listening to this, check your property for standing water. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk with Mandy and Zila. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. 
If you have a question you'd like us to explore, fill out our question submission form on the Let's Talk page on the library website. Stay happy and healthy. This podcast is a joint project between Brantford Public Library and the Brant County Health Unit. Edited by me, Zila Ozos. Music provided by Purple Planet through purple-planet.com. For more information about the podcast, visit the Brantford Public Library website at brantfordlibrary.ca. Thank you.